From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker and editor of the CQ Budget Newsletter. And joining me today for her first appearance on the Budget Podcast is Lindsay McPherson, who covers the House for Roll Call and CQ. Thanks for being here, Lindsay. Thanks, David, for having me on. So all eyes this week will be on the House Budget Committee for the first clue on an appropriations strategy for the coming fiscal year. I think we all know that the first step in the annual appropriations process, theoretically, is for the House and Senate to produce a budget resolution, this non-binding agreement that sets overall spending levels for the coming fiscal year. But those resolutions have increasingly become a political hot potato that a lot of lawmakers would rather avoid, and this year seems to be no exception. So, Lindsay, you reported last week that the House may forego doing a budget resolution altogether. And it's so toxic that even the House Budget Committee may not want to touch it. So what are they so afraid of? Basically, they're afraid that it won't have the votes needed to advance on the floor. And they don't want to go to markup if they're not going to end up bringing it to the floor. They feel like that would be a waste of time. But why wouldn't it have the votes? The Democrats control the House. Uh, they can ram things through on party line votes in the House. What's the problem? Well, it would seem like they should be able to have the votes to pass what is known as a partisan document. But the problem is um, these documents outline big, broad goals. And the Democratic caucus, despite trying to tell reporters otherwise all the time, they're actually a little divided on some of their values. And particularly between progressives and moderates on fiscal policy, they're very far apart. Progressives typically are okay spending a lot of money upfront, not offsetting it um, on things like Medicare for All, the Green New Deal, thinking that those will save the government on the back end. And then moderate Democrats typically want to make more modest investments and pay as you go on spending and, you know, keep the fiscal house in order. So, so it's enough to divide the caucus down the middle or? or? Well, it's, it's enough that it's hard to write a budget blueprint saying, here's where we're headed on tax and spending policy, um, particularly on the revenue side. A lot of the centrist Democrats, moderate Democrats who are in vulnerable districts don't want to be voting for anything that looks like they're supportive of a t- big tax increase. And the budget resolution that Budget Chairman John Yarmouth has drafted, he has one ready if he does decide to move it, calls for about $2 trillion in revenue over 10 years. And so... Needless to say, yeah, (laughs) that's going to require some tax increases. Yeah. And we should say, I mean, the progressives have some big spending items, right? I mean, if they want to do Medicare for all or a Green New Deal, this effort to battle climate change, I assume we're talking big bucks. Yeah, these are... These are trillions of dollars of additional... Tens of trillions of dollar proposals. And I I don't think they're in the budget resolution as drafted, but that's certainly where they want to go. And so to... Right. When their ideas aren't necessarily reflected and then trying to accommodate the two, you end up splitting the baby. But then, the ba- you know, that makes nobody happy. <laughs> right. And so. Republicans certainly aren't going to help them out at all. Right. No, they're, they're, this is a partisan document. There's never party line crossing on a big budget resolution like this. So, so even though Democrats have clean control of the House, they may not be able to get a budget resolution through it. Right. And this is not a new phenomenon. This happened a lot under Republican control the last few years. They did not bring budget resolutions to the floor for several years because they couldn't get the votes to adopt them on the floor. So 
Yeah, the, the Republican problem, Party has been just as deeply divided right. on spending policy, we the should problem. say, as the Democrats have been, but from the other from the other perspective. Right, yeah, they want to spend less, or, or some of them want to spend less and don't feel comfortable voting for certain budget numbers. Uh, the problem, their main problem was more conservatives wanted to cut spending than the budget committee was able to include in the document in terms of top lines, because they wanted to put top line numbers that were realistic to move forward to the appropriations process. And that was hard to mm-hmm. get the, some of their right flank to support that. So instead of this budget resolution, what are they looking at doing? So what John Yarmuth said is he had the budget resolution drafted, but he also has a legislation drafted that would simply raise the statutory spending caps that were put in place under the sequestration. And yeah, that's these what, are the these are the limits on discretionary spending that have been imposed since 2011 under this deficit reduction law that requires these severe cuts to spending each year now. And and there have been various budget agreements over the years since to raise to the raise caps, them, but they need to be raised again for exactly, the next. Exactly, there's the next nothing coming. in place yet for fiscal 2020, which is the but the fiscal year we're about to enter here, or at least we'll start in September, but appropriators need to start writing those bills. And, and there no is agreement, I think, Lindsay, on from both parties that they need to raise these spending limits. There is general agreement. Among, they might disagree on how much, but they want right. to raise them. There's general agreement among House Democrats and Senate Republicans who control the Congress that they should raise the caps. Because the, if they don't raise these caps, we're talking about a 10% cut in discretionary spending overall for the coming fiscal year compared to the current level, and that's that would be a sizable hit. It would be. But the problem we're facing this year, at, which is unique to previous years, is that President Donald Trump has said he doesn't want to raise the caps. That's an idea that um, his chief of staff, Mick Mulvaney, is particularly promoting. And if they can't convince the president to get on board, whatever the House and Senate come up with, I mean, I guess it He it could depends. veto it if they you could, want. And they could override it, depending how much support there is. But yeah. it, it's it's problematic not to have the president on board when you're trying to negotiate that. So instead of the budget resolution, House leaders are looking to just try to cut some kind of bipartisan deal to raise these spending limits. Right. Uh, But to start, uh, the budget chairman, John Yarmuth, has a proposal drafted that is kind of the Democratic opening bid for that. So he wants to raise the caps. And they're looking at a two-year DSL fiscal 2020 and fiscal 2021 for both years. And his the proposal that he's considering bringing before his committee and to the House floor uh, would raise the non-defense discretionary spending, uh, provide a larger increase for that than it would for defense. And typically in the past, Democrats have proposed in these negotiations parity or dollar for dollar increases in both. So this would go beyond that to appease some of the progressives who want to spend more on uh, non-defense spending. Which certainly won't fly with the Republicans. No, it's and he said, it's if we do this, this is like our opening position. We yeah. understand that's not where we'll end up with the Senate. But Be- this, but that is what it, my understanding is that is what's going to take to get 218 on the floor for even that proposal. So he's struggling to get support just for the caps. So Yeah, so this caps thing, this p- basic limit deal to raise spending limits won't be easy either. Right. And you've got the president fighting you, and you've got Republicans who may want to raise the defense cap, but they don't really want to raise the cap on non-defense programs. Right, yeah. The proposal that Yarmouth is talking about that would raise non-defense higher than defense is a non-starter for Republicans. Um, You know, if he can get 218 Democrats to vote for it, that's great. That's an opening position for them to show this is where we would prefer and that, you know, means somewhat hopefully they end up somewhere more along the dollar for dollar parity that they usually call for. And and for the last few budget deals we've had, there has been roughly equal increases in defense and non-defense right. uh, spending limit increases. Right. Democrats have typically insisted on that and because they have 
had some form of power in these, you know, again, this goes back to conservatives, even when Republicans had control of both the House and the Senate, conservatives weren't going to vote for just a certain amount of increase in non-defense, even if it was most of their party was comfortable with it. So they needed some Democratic votes and Democrats had leverage to, to get that parity in these past deals. So the question is, will Republicans agree to that parity this year? Because uh, they haven't said that yet, right? They have not. And it remains to be seen, especially with Trump starting at a lower position of, I don't want to raise the gaps at all. I think the problem becomes um, House Republicans actually might have some leverage because if we take as what Democrats are doing is like, this is our opening bid and what we can get 218 for. I take it if it's unlikely, even if they had a parity proposal, a dollar for dollar, that there would be enough Democrats to pass it through the House without some Republican support. Because I think that's why Yarmouth went a little further here is he's trying to get something that can pass with just Democrats. So, mm-hmm. you know, this is just me reading the tea leaves here. I don't think that a parity of dollar for dollar is going to appease some progressives. And it might not be some moderates who want to be more restrained as well. And I think that they're going to struggle getting Democratic votes on something like that by themselves. So House Republicans would then have leverage if they need their vote. And that's where it becomes interesting, because typically we look at Senate Republicans as like they matter because they control the Senate. But if House Republicans decide to stay by Donald Trump and say, we don't want to raise the caps at all, we're not giving you any votes, that's problematic. Yeah. And we should say Trump is trying to stick to these spending caps sort of on paper, but he's made a major right. loophole for defense spending where he's increasing defense by a, a good 5% by by sort of funding it through the back door, by pumping up the war account that's exempt from spending limits. So on the one hand, he's saying he's sticking by the spending cap, but on the other hand, he's increasing defense spending, which a lot of lawmakers have called a gimmick even from both parties. Right, and it definitely is, but he doesn't need statutory increase in the caps to do something to do like that. that. Right. And so what he's saying is I'm not going to propose a statutory change. I mean, right. certainly if they came up with a deal which Democrats want to agree to that raise defense statutorily the amount that he's proposed, but not non-defense, then sure, maybe he'd support that. But I think his problem is increasing the non-defense spending, and that's what Democrats really want. So that's going to be where the rubber meets the road on, is this deal doable in the end? So this week may may see the sort of opening bid, as you put it, for these spending talks on, on raising spending limits. But how quickly could a deal like this come together, Lindsay? Well, the broader bicameral deal could take some time. I mean, John Yarmouth is going to decide, we're sitting here talking on a Monday, he said today was his goal to decide whether to move forward with the CAPS proposal or the budget resolution. Sounds like he'll go forward with the CAPS proposal. He wants to mark it up in committee this week, have it on the House floor next week, and then Congress is out for a two-week recess over Easter. So we're talking a month or more before I would expect to see any real bicameral action on the spending caps. Because, yeah, historically, these things have been really hard to get done (laughs) and usually come only at a crisis moment when they actually have to do something to get out of a jam. Right. I honestly could see this dragging out through the summer into the fiscal year deadline where appropriators have tried to write their bills as best they could to numbers yeah. That makes sense to them or to the prior fiscal year or whatever that they decide to go off of. Um, and the hard actually, deadline would be September 30, the end of this fiscal year, when we're facing another shutdown. Right. right. And then they, there is the issue of they're going to have to raise the debt limit sometime this fall. So that's another pressure point that might that could influence these kind of spending talks or they, this talk they could be packaged together. Yeah, I think a lot of there's a lot of appetite for whatever if there is a deal on the budget caps to add the debt ceiling and the 
the debt limit suspension or as they typically do. It's, it's not a fun vote for people, nor is the cap. So you might as well just package it all together and take the tough one yeah. together. So we're talking about months and months of some hard negotiating here, although the first clues of how these talks go could happen this week. And we'll be watching it all for you, as always. Uh, my thanks again to Lindsay McPherson, our expert house reporter, for joining me. Thanks, Lindsay. Thanks, David. And thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week. Until then, you can stay up to date by subscribing to the CQ Budget Newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and rate us on iTunes or find us on Spotify, Stitcher, NPR One, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And for more budget news, subscribe to CQ.com or visit RollCall.com. Or find us on Twitter. The handle is at CQNow or at RollCall. See you next week.